the competitive 40k network presents art of war art of war strategy and tactics discussions with the best players on the planet now your host nick nanavani Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Art of War podcast. Today we are joined by the latest and greatest, the Warhammer champion, the best overall in Warhammer, Boris Michev. Boris, how are you? Hello, long lost friend, long time no see. I just was with you two days ago. (laughs) It's been so long, it's been so long. Well, it really has been. We've actually known each other for years you are actually one of my former coaching students, and you still consume all of my content. It really warms my heart to see it working so well for you, Boris. Like you are, you make me so proud. Yeah, we had. Um, I, I, I'm sure we'll get into it, but we had a bit of an anime arc about a uh, student versus master, right? <laughs> we really did. Yeah, yeah. I know. I'm, I'm so excited to talk about that, Boris. We, we did in fact play at the World Champs. You took me down. Spoiler alert! But it took a lot of people down in your clan to win best overall. And in today's episode, everybody, that's what we're going to talk about. We're going to get to know Boris. We're going to learn about how he experiences Warhammer, how he got into it, how he became an amazing painter, how he became an amazing player. How does he manage to do it all while having a family and running a business? And then where does he find the hours in the day? We're going to talk about his play style, the army list. We're going to talk about everything that you need to know about how Boris became the world champion of Warhammer. But you know what? That's not where we're going to stop. Because in part two of this wonderful episode, we're going to talk about how we actually did it on the table. We're going to go through his games. We're going to go through his approach. We're going to go through how Boris step-by-step beat me in Sudden Death Showdown. It's going to be awesome. You're not going to want to go anywhere. I'm super excited for this episode. Boris is one of my favorite people on this entire planet because he's just absolutely amazing. And I cannot speak highly enough about him. So we're going to learn what makes this man tick. You're too kind. You're too kind. You earn my kindness. I'm serious. <laughs> so let's start from the very beginning. How did you get into Warhammer? So I guess my story is a bit a bit different than uh, most of the guests that you have on the show because I'm pretty new to the hobby. So I grew up um, I grew up in Bulgaria in the Eastern Bloc, and as you can imagine, in the 90s there was no Warhammer uh, in Bulgaria. So it's not something that was available when I was growing up, and I didn't really even know Warhammer existed. Um, and it was only about five years ago, I think in 2018, when 7th edition was finishing, um, one of my high school buddies came to visit me in London and he said, I want to go to the uh, Warhammer store. And I said, what's a Warhammer store? And he said, come along. And he took me in. At the time, I would have been 35. I'm almost 40 now. So yeah, must have been 35. And you know, when you're 35, you sort of know what's up, right? Like, you know what kind of music you like, what hobbies you like. You don't often like see something you like, oh my gosh. But when I walked into the store, <laughs> I was like, oh my gosh. It blew my mind. It was like, you get the models, you can build them, you play with them. And within, let's see, five months of that, I was at LVO. That <laughs> was my first ever tournament. So it went from first ever walking to a games workshop to going to LVO within five months. Hold on, let me let me slow you down just a minute here, because obviously that's that's zero to hundred. You're jumping straight in the deep end. What is Warhammer to go into LVO? If I recall, during this time, you hit me up for some coaching, and, and you were telling me you were brand new to this game. 
So I think when I, so this is what happened. The when I got into it, I think it was the summer of eight eighteen. I was googling online how to glue because when I bought the box, I didn't buy like cutters and glue because I didn't know you had to do it. Like that's how new I was to it. So I went home, opened the box, like what is this? Like <laughs> how do I? So I'm googling on YouTube how do you build Warhammer models. But that same a few months later, that LVO is the LVO the U1 uh, with your Inari. And I was there in the flesh playing with orcs and hoping to win one game. Um, And I only hit you up for coaching like later the following year, something like that. Gotcha. I got my timeline a little mixed up. Thanks for playing fun. But still, what made you fall, I guess, so madly in love with Warhammer and the game and the community and all that, that you, you live in England, you know, you flew across the earth to go play in a, the largest Warhammer tournament at the time. And like, what was that whole experience like? What made you do it? So when I first, you know, I, I remember, you know, I went with my buddy to the store, got completely sort of starstruck, overwhelmed, super excited. The next day we went back and I picked up a star collecting box of orcs and started learning how to build them and bought a couple of paints. And then very quickly started looking for stuff online, you know, YouTube channels or just trying to figure out you know, what this is, learn how to play. And this is just when 8th edition was coming. So there's a lot of content, not a lot of content, but, you know, learn to play the new edition and so forth and so on. And somehow, I guess by the rabbit hole that the internet is, I didn't realize that there's these things called tournaments and one thing led to another. And, you know, there's a Las Vegas Open. And I told my wife, hey, you want to go to Vegas for a few days and you can hang out and I'll play this thing. And she said, sure. So we took a trip together and, uh, this is before my first kid was even born. So, um, yeah, that's how I, and I went to my first LVO, uh, my first game, I, my opponent didn't turn up. So I got an automatic win. I thought that doesn't count. I lost my second game. I lost my third. (laughs) No, 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 no. I, I thought that doesn't count. So I lost my second game. I lost my third game. I drew my fourth game and finally won in my fifth game. And I didn't even turn up for the sixth game because I was like, you know what? I came here to win one game and, and that's great for me. So my wife and I went to watch a show or something. <laughs> that's amazing. So first LVO, one, one, one three, and one. Um, and this was, what, 2018? So that was five years ago. And now you're the Warhammer Best Overall Champion. What has that journey been like? So it's been a journey, exactly. I mean, it's it's been the definition of a journey. So, you know, I got my first taste of uh, the community and the, the tournament experience community, and I got immediately hooked. Um, it, you know, as a kid, I you know I played competitive video games and sports and being on a team. And you know, as you grow older, you sort of start all these competitive outlets kind of disappear, um, and it immediately became this is my new competitive outlet i want to i want to learn how to become better at this game and so you know i started collecting more armies um started going to like rtt smaller events and then i think shortly after you won that lvo is when you started your coaching service right yeah just like weeks after yeah just weeks after it and uh, i think that's when i hit you up and i was like hey i want to get better at this game i saw you win lvo and you're starting a coaching service can you help me out and so you know, that's we spent a couple of months where you where you helped me out, and then one thing led to another, and then I started winning some, you know, smaller events, local events, RTTs, 
I won a couple of big events at the time. Major was like a, you know, a hundred person event was like a huge event. So I won like a hundred person event, like a six round event. And that was, wow. This to me, that was like, this feels incredible. Um, I want to do more of that. So I was really hooked. That's a big step right there in and of itself. And I know in the, in the longness of the story, um, you know, that's just the first or second step. But going from playing Warhammer in 2018 to winning a 100-person major event in 2019, that alone is an enormous leap in skill. Now, I appreciate you crediting some of that to my coaching, but surely it was not just my coaching. What was your practice regime or how did you get better what was your mindset in that time so i think um and we talk a, a lot about with my teammates um you know what makes what makes someone a good warhammer player <clears throat> um and i do think just like anything else in life there's an element of natural talent uh which which is kind of like an all-encompassing term to describe uh that something just comes there's an element of doing something that comes kind of natural to you right whether it's playing sports or video games or art or music or you know there's something that we call talent and i think i don't have like a load of natural talent like my teammate liam for example who who you met he has a loads of natural talent the game just comes super natural to him but definitely there's an element of i i could click with okay it's five turns we got limited amount of movement this is how you score points. There was definitely something to it that was that came pretty natural to me pretty early on. Uh, and then as far as the practice, you know, I have effectively I have one sparring partner, one practice buddy. And I think outside of tournament games, probably 95% of my games have, <laughs> uh, are against one person who is one of my partners at the Bamboo Cafe, Will, that, you know. I play just, and he's not even like a competitive tournament player, but he's a very good, a very good Warhammer player. And most of my practice comes against him. That is phenomenal. You know, when you think of super competitive, successful Warhammer players, you think they're on TTS playing seven nights a week, or they're on, they're playing all these people going to tournaments week in and week out. And you're just doing this in a very, you know, approachable, almost humble way where it's like, you, you have your one practice partner the way most people do. You play him, you get better at the foundational skills of Warhammer. And, you know, from there, you're able to translate to this enormous success. And you, you say you don't have that much natural talent, but, like, from what it sounds like, zero to 100 like this, you, you, it really seems like you do, Boris. Like, I played you very recently, just this past weekend. And one thing that you just that really resonated with me is that you... The things that clicked with you the game are like the fact that there's five turns and there's a limited number of movement. And while these things are very obvious to just say, the way you break it down as like those are the things that click with you, you know, these these things that people take for granted. One thing I noticed in our game is you really broke every movement, both yours and mine, down to its smallest details of each individual model and what they could individually do. And the top players will do this. But the precision and the detail and level of accuracy you have while doing it, that was something special. And it almost is like the way your brain works, right? Where it's like you view it in terms of five turns in a, in a point scoring based game and you'll view it at that very granular level as the way you learn it. And I think that approach alone has kind of catered and, and tailored your learning processes to help you get better at Warhammer. Is that making sense to you? 
Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And I've always been, ever since the beginning, but especially as I've kind of developed as a player, I've always been much better uh, at the tabletop executing, uh, you know, playing a game than I am at list design. So I'm not very good at list design. In fact, I'm pretty bad at list design and I've never, um, I've never been able to improve that part of my, uh, I guess, of my game, if you will. And so being part of a very good, I'm, I'm on team Ignite, which is, you know, one of the top teams in the world, some of the best players in the world. And, and a huge part of the success is being on that team and on that chat, you know, 24-7 uh, with some of the best players in the world that are helping me with with list design, matchups, you know, micro decisions. I, I would say that that's in the last year or so, that's been the biggest, that was like the jump to the next level, I think, for me, which was um, can win some smaller events and, you know, maybe some bigger events. But, you know, being on that team has really um, kind of ele- elevated me to the next level because, you know, coming into Worlds, for example, we, I mean, each one of these matchups that we'll get into, you know, CSM versus Eldar, CSM versus CSM, CSM versus Marines, like we had spent so much time as a team prepping and playing it out and, and discussing uh, how that goes. So that's been, I guess, an invaluable addition to to my toolkit as I've developed as a player is being part of, of such a good team. I think that's the the story from most great players is like the, the truth to it is no one does it alone. I mean, you see Art of War, you see Team Ignite, and, you know, the WTC teams are their own teams. And with that, clubs, you know, clubs are a great way, local regional clubs are a great way to get better. Just surround yourself with people who are excited, enthused about Warhammer and want to get better. And collectively, you will help each other and push each other to get better, even at this level. Yeah, I couldn't. I mean, for people that, that are not on the team, I, I couldn't recommend this but the social aspect is obviously amazing we do a lot of team events even singles events we go together as teams so being on a team is great socially but aligning yourself with better players um you know arguably i'm you know one of the weakest if not the weakest player on my team because that's how strong uh our team is and for me that's been tremendously beneficial and you know you have vic dave liam brian you know, Chris Yoku, Myson, these are, you know, <laughs> probably in the top 10 players worldwide. And this is who I'm learning from every day. It's been, it, you know, it's been tremendous. And I would recommend, even if you're not joining, a th- even if it's your local team or, you know, being on a team is one of the best things about 40K. So let's fast forward the conversation a little bit. You win your first major 6-0. and um, you go to LVO in 2020, right before COVID, and you do some phenomenally well there, right? You made top eight, is that correct? Yeah. So this is when this is when me and you were chatting quite a lot, and and this is when you when you were helping me with coaching, and I took your list to LVO, and you didn't take you didn't take your own list. You remember that? No. I, t- I yelled the white scars. This is interesting. Yeah. And I remember seeing you there, and I was like, "What are you doing? You know, you didn't take the list." Um, yeah, so I took the Iron Hands brigade at the time, uh, and yeah, made it to the top eight, which was amazing. I mean, at that stage, obviously that was like the pinnacle, uh, of my achievements in 40 can. I thought, oh, this, I'll never, you know, I'll never top that. It was, it was an amazing experience. Um, and again, I am not good at writing lists, but you wrote that list for me and I learned how to play it. And at the tabletop, I could perform with it. But I would have never in a million years been like, oh, this, how does it all come together? 
Right, right. Well, you're playing your strengths, right? Like I know I personally am not the best at being an aggressive player, um, but you know I have other strengths. Uh, in your case, you kind of have you have your friends write the list, that list a little bit, learn how to play it, and then, and then use your own Warhammer intuition or Warhammer skills that you've developed over years. Just play a list that's tried and true really, really well. And if that's what works for you, that's what works for you. There's no shame to it. Yeah, exactly. And look, eventually, I would like to. Um, improve as a list writer and it's one of the goals I set myself for this edition but you know maybe I need to sign up for some more art of war coaching and you guys can help me become a better list list builder because when my teammates build lists in the first time like when Vic was first doing this like Eldar list with like triple night spirit test like this looks, looks terrible like how does this even <laughs> uh, <laughs> but yeah so I yeah, that's you, next. On, that's next on the docket is because you know I you know you always want to improve and um, as a player as a person and you know that's one thing that at, at some point in the future I'd like to get better at. I think it's amazing that literally two days after being crowned the Warhammer champion, best overall, you're like I want to get better at a different element of Warhammer. Like, what even is that, Boris? That just speaks to your character. <laughs> I was <laughs> I was sitting on the plane before takeoff. And I was, you know, in the hours before that, I was so tired. And I was like, oh, I need a break from 40K. And on the plane, I'm like, I think I'm going to try Sisters next. And I, Are you serious? <laughs> I think I'm going to try Sisters. I opened up that index. <laughs> oh, here we go. Men after my own heart. Oh, my God, Morris. We're so similar. Okay. So let's, let's keep it going in this conversation here. So COVID happens. 2020 is going on. It's a terrible time for lots of people all around the world. And if I recall, Boris, around this time is when you start having kids. And usually when people have COVID plus children, the amount of Warhammer they play reaches close to zero, if not zero. Were you able to keep your Warhammer career up and going? Um, or were you, was this like a put it on pause and pick it back up and become the world champion in less time? Yeah, so it went to basically zero. As far as playing 40K, it went to zero. Um, here in the UK, we had some pretty severe lockdowns where we obviously weren't allowed to leave our homes. There was no socializing. So, you know, physically playing 40K wasn't an option. And I'm not, to this day, I'm not really a TTS player at all. I mean, I I, I, I do it by necessity, for example, as part of, uh, you know, applying to Team England, which maybe we'll talk about later. But I'm, I'm doing it a bit now, but never out of choice. Um, so my playing 40K came pretty much to a grinding halt for almost, I want to say 18 months, but I started developing my painting during that time because when you have young kids and they go to bed and you have a couple of hours to yourself, I found it to be really good for the mental health and just sit down in peace and quiet and just paint. And I really focused on improving my painting and I really care about the quality of the painting of my armies. You've seen my armies, you know, I care about that. Um, so that's what I did during COVID. And even, you know, did a bit of painting for other systems like Lord of the Rings and Age of Sigmar and just just painted a lot more. You know what we haven't even talked about since you're such a well-rounded individual in this hobby is the fact that you also own a game store, Boris. Like, where do you, where does that factor into all of this? Yeah, so just like I went to OVO within a few months of, uh, of getting into the hobby, I also decided to open up a, a Warhammer store. Um, it was really because when I started playing the places you could play in London, I was shocked that how is this such an awesome hobby? And the only place to play is like in this basement of some, you know, comic book shop. This is terrible. So 
uh, I met three like-minded individuals and, you know, together the four of us had this vision to create a really um, kind of a different type of store, like nicer, uh, cleaner, lighter, brighter, good food, good drinks. And that's how it all started. I don't, nowadays I'm, I'm like a passive partner and owner. I, I don't really get involved and my partners actually run the store day to day. So I mostly go there to play 40K nowadays it seems like a good deal yep cool so it sounds like you have found out some amazing time management skills to balance you know multiple kids life ownership of a store painting competing all that stuff but you dropped a bomb on me over this weekend which blew my mind and i truly don't know how it happened so i'm i am here to ask you point blank and straight force and i need an honest to god answer here you told me at the World Championships, after beating me at the World Championships, that you and we were playing very similar Chaos Spaceship armies within one data sheet of each other, more or less. You told me that you picked up this army six weeks ago, bought all of the boxes for it, built it, painted it. For those of you who have not seen it, Boris was one of the top armies in the room of World Championship painters. Um, it was gorgeous. And you played it phenomenally and i mean phenomenally you took it all the way up to essentially the midnight shadow round the night before and that's just unheard of how do you i, I couldn't take a list that i've been playing for six weeks to the finals as if that was the only thing i was focused on you know and you were painting and you're living your life what how that's all i gotta <laughs> ask how. so um it's actually a pretty cool story because um, leading up to LGT, the London Grand Tournament, which was the last weekend in September, um, you know, everyone on my team is debating what list to take. You know, most of them took Eldar, CSM, um, and I decided to be a snowflake and take Gene Steeler Coats. This is very shortly after the balance data slate, so we didn't quite yet know how good or bad some of these armies are, so we're making kind of a call, and I, being the terrible list writer that I am, I, I made the decision, I've got a spicy GSE list. This is going to be great. Obviously, it wasn't. Um, oh, Boris, why? why? <laughs> obviously, it wasn't. So I went in, um, won my first game, and then second game, I played against uh, a lovely fella playing Imperial Knights, which for Gene Steeler Coast, that's usually an easy matchup. Anyway, he kills my Warlord turn one and tells me that... Um, his whole army has a five-up feel, no pain, and gets extra CP. And I was like, oh, I didn't know that was the rule. He said, you want to take it back? Just put her, you know, my saboteur, put her in the back. I said, nah, it's okay. Let's do it. So we went on, and I lost the game. And I was so upset. I was upset because I took an army that wasn't that good and set unreasonable expectations for myself to perform. I did a silly mistake and even was offered a take back, a very reasonable take back and refused it. So I kind of set myself up for failure on many different levels. And I was very disappointed with that. Literally the next day, I called Will, my partner at the store and my sparring partner. I said, okay, in six weeks, I'm going to Atlanta. This cannot happen again. Okay. I'm taking one of the best armies in the game and it's either CSM or Eldar. And I really am not excited about painting Eldar. So I'm taking CSM. And he said, okay. So then I went online, ordered all the models. Um, and at the time, the list wasn't fully clear. Um, but uh, my teammate Liam VSL, that same day, won LGT with a similar uh, CSM list. So I knew kind of the core of the list. 
So I ordered all the models and I told my wife, look, for the next six weeks, I'm going to need some love, patience and support in the evenings. I got to paint a lot um, to get this thing ready. At one point, I was getting pretty stressed that I'm not going to get it done. So I had my three friends, partners at the store. We took an evening. I brought all the models. We closed the shop. And then we stayed until, you know, the little hours of the night. And they paint me. They helped me base coat models. Just put the base coats on. Um, yeah, and good so, friends, boys. Yeah, good friends. And then the learning to play was a lot. This is where my team really came in clutch because I don't know if you noticed, but even at the World Championship, before every round, I would go and find Liam and I will show him who I'm playing and we'll spend one or two minutes with him discussing the particular matchup. Liam plays a lot and he, he probably has 100 plus games on the CSM list. And so, you know, Vic plays CSM on our, on our team. Chris Rutherford plays CSM. So we had a lot of people that were very successful with CSM. So a lot of the theory crafting and matchup knowledge came from my team. And then um, I did two or three tournaments in those six weeks period, small RTTs. We did a big team event in Cardiff with my team, which we won and I played CSM. So I got, I think maybe between 15 and 20 games in total with the list. That is absolutely phenomenal. So it's one thing to paint an army in six weeks at such a high caliber. That's like something professional studios do, right? And you just did this in your evenings while having a job and a family and all that stuff. But then you also were able to play it and practice it. Um, and most of your practice games, as you said, are against your buddy, Will, who doesn't even go to tournaments. And when I played you, Boris, and even before I played you, we had a little coaching call to go through the people in our own pod, because, of course, we ended up in the same pod. Yep. Um, the way you were speaking about that game and then the way you played that game on table demonstrated to me that you knew like everything about my army and your army and, and Warhammer as a game. And that comes, as you said, pretty much just from your teammates talking about it. Or where does that come from? That knowledge? A lot of it comes from uh, my teammates. And obviously I did, I did get 15 to 20 games in with the list. So obviously I, I practiced it, but in those key matchups like CSM versus CSM or CSM versus Eldar. I think I played that CSM versus Eldar match maybe 10 times and then also hurt my teammates and discuss with my teammates over a hundred reps on either side of that matchup. So we were down to like micro minute interactions in that matchup saying the way Leaper can go 28 and grenade and Melta and then the Incarn can teleport of the open Rhino and do two for one on the squads. And it just, there were so many things that we knew about these matchups from just, you know, members of our team playing it that I had a lot of the theory um, from my team. And then, you know, the practice was getting, getting those 15 to 20 games, um, you know, in tournaments and, and against teammates and my sparring partner. That's amazing. So when you were practicing and all this, I know you were supplementing it with, with your good old fashioned art of war content. What did you find that helpful for in your learning process? I mean, I was even texting you. It's, uh, when you went on your CSM journey, right? Because your list kind of evolved a lot over the last few months and you tried okay. different iterations. And I also tried some of this stuff. Like when you're onto the Demon Prince, I tried the Demon Prince. He's not painted, by the way. He was one game, great plastic. That's when I texted you and I said, that dude is trash. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I remember that text. This guy was rocking for me and was like, yeah. this is terrible. For the record, he didn't make it into either of our lists. Exactly. So um, I kind of followed your 
your um, journey and a lot of your kind of tournament reports, battle reports, kind of coaching matches, um, I used to um, refine and finalize my list because my list is it's not the same as it's close to Liam's list, but it's also meaningfully different, right? And and a lot of these um, kind of last three four hundred points, um, I, I guess consuming your content and your journey was very helpful in, in finalizing that even like plays getting your rhinos wrapped by john well i played john twice this weekend as you know and and both games i'd say john pick a rhino which one do you want to wrap this turn i'll give you one but the other one you can't have and we both laughed because you know i'd watched that game when you played against him and you know that's the thing that he does and i knew he would do that so you know that's another little bit of art of war <laughs> inside if you will I've been quitting wrapped my rhinos later on that turn. It was like, I learned this from that game that you played with John. And you know, those little yep. things, they, they take them to the tournaments and then they get you with them. Yep. So, Boris, ultimately, what was the list that you ended up taking to the World Championships and getting bust overall with? Kind of read it top to bottom. So, top to bottom is, is Chaos Space Marines. Um, it's three Chaos Lords that are Chaos Undivided. It's three units of Chosen that are also Chaos Undivided, a 10-man and two 5-mans. It's two 5-man unit of Slanesh Legionnaires with all the combat weapons. Then I have two Forge Fiends, one's Nurgle, one's Undivided. And I've got three by two units of Obliterators, um, one Nurgle, two Undivided, and a unit of Humboldt Cultists to sit on the backfield and stick to the home objective. And that's the list. Yeah, so, uh, pretty simple. Tried to the chosen rhino variation. You've gone from more obliterators. Uh, like you said, this is a this. It came the core came from Liam VSL's uh, LGT winning list, and we did, of course, do a podcast with Liam breaking yep. down that listing in detail. Um, for those listeners who want to know how that works, you can check that out as well. It's on our Patreon. But Boris, you didn't run a copy pasted list of Liam VSL's, and since he's your teammate, and that list had one LGT. It'd be really easy to just make that copy-paste. And you yourself said you're not a phenomenal wrist lighter or anything. Um, so why did you make variations to what is previously tried and true? So the key, uh, the key changes that we made to that list was added an additional rhino. His LGT list only had two rhinos. And, and in playtesting on the GW terrain, we actually found that three rhinos is quite easy to stage and hide and, and move around the, the plexiglass terrain. Um, and the other change, which I really wanted to do is I did in the Eldar matchup, what we found out is if you give the Eldar player the option to take assassinate and bring it down in our practice, in our team, Eldar player won almost every single time. And the reason why they could take assassinate and bring it down is because the previous version of the list had three chaos Lords that had one, um, Demon loan up, usually blue scribes or changeling, and then he had Silask, right? So that's five characters of which one of them potentially comes back to life. So that's pretty easy assassinate. No, these characters usually die anyway. And then bring it down was, you know, three rhinos, two fortunes, and Silask, counting for both because she's a monster twice. So I said, as a list design choice, there's going to be a lot of Eldar there, a lot of top players. That's a tough matchup. But if they have to go tactical, and use their very limited resources to try and go sc score tactical points, that matchup becomes ever so slightly CSM favored, especially if you're practicing them in that particular matchup. So I took all the demon um, 
allies out. I limited to only three characters and then um, changed that with obliterators. Nice. So just a small couple changes, but largely the same army. And really, like, how did you play this on table? See some traditionally like a go run across table, charge them with rhino, shoot them with obliterators type of army. But I don't know that that's actually the play style you used at the tournament. How would you describe your play style here? So normally, my play style is a lot closer to your play style. I mean, not surprisingly, you know, I, I learned a lot from you early on when I started. Um, and I tend to prefer to be like that Iron Hands list that just sits in the corner <laughs> and just scores the points. And that was kind of my play style. You know, just like you like to be in a corner, I prefer to play a more conservative, more passive, not a very interactive game. But the CSM list requires you to get aggressive you don't have to be like recklessly aggressive i think the way liam plays it he's naturally much more aggressive so he goes on full-on uh pressure and aggression um so i had to sort of change my play style a bit to in my first few games i was keeping the rhinos way back trying to hide them and then it, it obviously wasn't working so over the 15 or 20 practice game i had to try and find the balance between you know being my usual self and try and hide in a corner to actually, you know, use the list more like the way it's supposed to be used. Yeah, I've really found a very similar struggle. And I'm glad you mentioned them where you kind of learned from me and we have a similar play style here because I too played very passively defensively and my instincts with this list were all wrong. I had to learn to overcome my instincts and learn the list and do what the list wants with my own flair added in. That journey has been challenging for me and I've definitely gotten better with it over time. I saw myself making moves at Worlds that I would have never done like two months earlier. But um, with that said, I don't think I've like mastered the list. I still think that there is a disparity between my play style and how the list wants to be played that is just, you know, square peg, round hole type of thing. Yep. Have you found that mismatch and have you overcome it or have you learned to live with it? What does that look like? I think it's, um, I've actually come to, I think this list, playing with this list and performing with this list has actually helped me kind of evolve my play style. Um, and I've kind of embraced it, you know, uh, which is one of the reasons why I was, you know, browsing the sister index on the, on the plane back is saying like, you know, having really fast combat units and transports that can push up supplemented with some really good shooting and some mission play. I really like that list design choice and you know what other armies can i use that to recreate something similar so playing this list has kind of helped me i think find a new play style that i've really enjoyed and uh, honestly the way i play it is still not full-on aggression because well you can play that way but i think you uh, unless you're as good as liam i think you end up losing more than if you play it still aggressive when you have to just know when you have to be aggressive and so I think it's helped me evolve as a as a player and adding more variety to my play style. I think that's a really great way to look at it. And definitely, yeah, I think it, like playing anything out of your comfort zone will be rough at first, but as you get more and more comfortable, you're just adding to your repertoire of available tools. When you say going, knowing when to go aggressive, what does that look like on the table? And we're going to get matchup specific in part two, which we're coming up to where we talk about the actual games you played at Worlds and how you played them. But more on a conceptual level like there's it's like a a, uh, a spectrum right you can go foot taps the gas at 10 miles an hour or foot slams the gas at 100 and anything in there could be the right answer how do you identify that yeah a lot of it is um 
I mean, when we get into the match, a lot of it is really matchup specific and knowing exactly what unit needs to go into what unit and at what time. Um, there's definitely an element of, um, you know, it really comes down to the three chosen. There's two, there's two big elements to this list, right? Is one, how do you manage your big combat threat with the three chosen units with the Lord? Because they're huge hammer units that do tremendous amounts of damage. And the second one, which is almost more important, is how do you manage your reserves? Because a lot of the, sh the way I play the list and, and the way you play it and the way the list generally plays is a lot of the shooting elements come from reserve. Um, at least one Forge Fiend, sometimes both. And usually, you know, at least two units of Obliterators and sometimes all three. So um, knowing when and how to press the gas on the Chosen and knowing when and how to use the reserve is really what, is really what makes this list stick. Um, and that just takes practice. In my first ever game with this list, I was playing well, and he was playing Ultramarine, um, Iron Hands with some Dreadnoughts and stuff. And it was so funny. First game, he sets up his army, he goes first, whatever, my turn, nothing. And then I said, okay, now I'm going to table you. Now it's turn two, and all my sh comes in, and I'm going to table you. And I dropped in, and I didn't do anything, and I lost, right? It was the first game playing with the list. And then you, you know, when you start knowing your damage thresholds and, um, you know, just, you know, the math a little bit of what does into what, that's when you really know how to, um, you know, use aggression in a calculated way. Yeah, I think that's a really great way to put it. The very first time I tried the Chosen Rhino, uh, it was right after Tyranids had come out, and John was playing his first game with Tyranids. They were both trying new stuff. And I charged 10 or 5 Chosen with the Lord, undivided, rerolls the whole thing into a Norn on an objective with Harmor of Contempt. And I had no idea what would happen here. Chosen kill everything, right? Um, well, I bounced off horribly. It's just like the way the profiles lined up. I was wounding on sixes. I wasn't sure whether to go lethal or sustain. I didn't have that experience yet. Um, Armor of Contempt was its own unique challenge. It was just not a good, not a good place to find myself. So that turned me off from Chosen Lords altogether. That one instance, but it was so much not knowing the proper target for a Chosen Lord package, um, and that really, like you said, understanding what your units are capable of, what they're good at, and how to set them up really allows you to figure out that calculated aggression, as you said. Yeah, and part of it is also uh, before. Um before CSM, I played World Eaters to the back end of 9th edition. And at the time, sometimes uh, with World Eaters, you had to accept that it's okay to quote-unquote trade down, and you would be sending like a four or five-man eight-bound unit to kind of clear some screens. And you had it was a horrible point, you know, kind of a point trade, if you look at it that way, but it was necessary for the state of the game. And sometimes with Five Chosen and the Lord, you know, when I played John this weekend, I, I would send him to kill five scouts if, if that was required because I needed to clear a section of the board um, to control his reserves or whatever the case might be. So the five chosen and the Lord on the one hand, knowing their damage thresholds and what they can and can't kill. And on the other hand, sometimes in matchups you have to be, they can go really fast and maybe they'll trade down in points, but in the process they'll kill, kill some scoring skirmishing units and themselves become a screen. You know, that's another big part of using those fast units out of a Rhino. They don't always have to kill something that's their points value. Sometimes they've got a, you know, a different road to play. And learning when and how to be comfortable using that is also a big part of mastering the list. Yeah, completely agree with that as well. So, Boris, we didn't even talk about the fact that you uh, ultimately won best overall at this tournament. What did that feel like? Oh, man. So, 
Um, unlike in the U.S., where you guys have like three or four or five official games workshop events a year, here we have only one. And it was the first one we ever had, which was in March, and it was Warhammer Fest. And leading up to that, I thought, well, it'll be cool to go and win best overall. I, I care about painting a lot, but I also like to compete. So I decided to start a World Eaters Army, who are pretty good at the time. So I painted a World Eaters Army, and I won, and I won best overall at Warhammer Fest, which was like a 400-person event. It was the first and only GW event. And it, that felt like hobby nirvana. You know, I was like, this can never be topped. I just said, I'm going to try and go win overall at Warhammer Fest. And um, and I didn't, I made it to the top eight and I didn't even turn up to the third day <laughs> because I was like, I, I going back to my family and my job. And I don't care about winning the thing. I've won best overall. Um, that's how much it meant to me. Um, <clears throat> and that's how I got my ticket to come to the world champs. And I thought, oh my gosh, what if I, you know, I was chatting with my friends, chatting with you. What if I win best overall at Worlds? That just seems crazy. And it hasn't really fully sunk in yet. I mean, I thought, you know, top eight LVO, best overall Warhammer Fest. I, like, I reached these, you know, Warhammer successes before that I thought could never be, you know, eclipsed. And, um, and you know, I've been very fortunate, blessed. I mean, it's very, very humbling. Like, when you look at, the quality of the painting of the armies there and the quality of the generalship at, at you know, present, it is extremely humbling um, to have come away with it. And it would be silly to, it would be silly to assume that no luck was involved, even in our game, in every game. I think to go on a run like that, you need things to go your way. You need the right pairings at the right time on the right mission and the right dice roll in the key situations. Obviously, you know, we try and control some of that, but it would be silly and presumptuous to assume that I didn't get luck on the way. Of course I did. Um, so that's just part of any 40K event, and especially this one being so incredibly stacked. I think the difference, I had teammates who are, you know, world championship caliber players that, you know, finished five and three or four and four, you know, <laughs> that are better players than me, but, you know, they hit the wrong matchup and a two-point loss on the wrong map. And, you know, that's something that you just have to learn to accept for 40K tournaments. I love your humbleness with the willingness to just acknowledge that there is that element of luck there. But honestly, Boris, I could not be happier that you won best overall. You are a beacon of the hobby in more than one aspect. And I'm excited to talk about part two. Part two is going to be where we talk about the matchups and how you actually played your army on the table to such an amazing level. And there are really like Anthony Vanilla and myself, we're going five and three out here. These are really, really amazing players that are just, you know, you'd normally expect to see them in top eight of every event that are in like 20, 30, 40th place over here. This tournament was the hardest singles tournament I have ever played in, probably the hardest singles tournament that's ever existed. And Boris, you killed it. You absolutely killed it. And we're going to unpack exactly how you did that in part two. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you, Nick. I really appreciate it. Really appreciate you. Listeners as well, thank you so much for listening. This is our 215th episode or something. Your support means the absolute world to me and all of us here at Art of War. Thank you so much. If you are a Patreon, you can catch us in part two on AOW40K.com. It's five bucks a month. You get access to all of the part twos of every single episode where we unpack the how it happened in the games. And you get access to our amazing Discord server. So if you're interested in that, please do check it out on aow40k.com. Until then, we will see you next week.
Like what you just listened to? Check out Art of War Down Under and Art of War Unbroken on the competitive 40K network. The Art of War 40K.com. Thank you.